2: Coach Jen in Ocala, Florida, and you are listening to the monthly fox hunting episode on Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for February 18th, episode 2622. Brought to you today by Sports Vibe, the massage therapy blanket for horses from Horseware. Good
3: morning, Horse World.
2: Welcome, everyone. Since it's Valentine's week, Tara Tibbets and I figured it would be a good opportunity to enjoy a Valentine's worthy classic from the Hidden Audio Vaults featuring a couple of couples who found one another through their mutual love of fox hunting and horses. And we're going to get things rolling right after we hear from our sponsor, Sports Vibe.
4: The Sports Vibe blanket is a massage blanket. It is there to massage the horse. We go get our massages and they need theirs. People ask me, they go, how do you use all that stuff? And I said, oh my gosh, you just push the buttons and you go and it's great. You know, you don't have to worry about anything, just go. They automatically turn off at the designated time. You don't have to worry a bit about overdoing anything. When you go back and it's turned off, you take it off. This is the Sports 5 blanket. I use it regularly. I use it for preparation. For an event, and I also use it as uh, preventative after an event where he has uh, stressed a little bit for his muscles. The Sports Vibe Massage Therapy Blanket. It's a great massage blanket, and I think it's one of the greatest products I've ever used.
2: Coming up on this episode, it's the 21st, we're only a week late, but we thought we'd do a little bit of a, uh, a Valentine's theme. This is couples who hunt together, and we're not talking about the foxhounds. Because foxhounds, when they're a pair of them, they're called couples. Um, this is all about people who met fox hunting or met and enjoyed fox hunting and continue to do so. So it's going to be a lot of fun. But in the meanwhile, before we get to our guests, I need to find out what Tara has been up to since last we spoke on last month's Third Thursday.
3: What have I been up to? We have been hunting into Texas. Um, As everyone knows, I'm hunting my young horse. This is his first season. And I I feel like this past Saturday was kind of a, he really proved that he's put on his big boy pants. We have a particularly challenging creek crossing that it's one of those ones, you know, where you go down the really steep side and then it's a rocky creek crossing and then it's a pretty steep on the other side, which can be intimidating for a horse. Oh, those are the kind that get lots of hits on YouTube. Yes. Yes. Exactly. And I don't, we hadn't crossed it at all, all season. And we'd been going to a different water crossing, which I've posted a bunch of videos on because he's always really funny in the water. And so we were kind of in a time crunch and I was like, all right, we're going to give this a shot and see how it does. And he absolutely knocked my socks off. We went down the little ravine and, you know, you can tell when a horse is hunting, you know, we weren't going fast. We weren't in a hurry yet. We were just kind of going to our position as whipper ins. And he got down there and he kind of put his foot on the rock in the water and was really took his time. And he kind of, it was like a kid crossing the street, kind of looked both ways to see what mm-hmm. was coming. And he jumped it. Really? I, I thought he'd walk across it, but he jumped it, cleared it completely, went up the other side of the ravine and it was a non-issue.
2: Dang.
3: You should. Too bad nobody was there to video it because that's the kind that
2: does get lots of hits.
3: <laughs> and I, I, I. That's a hundred percent true, and I will say our exit up the other side of the ravine, I don't think was my best equitation, so it would have been even more entertaining for the video,
2: yeah, but you didn't get muddy on the way out. Your breeches were clean, mostly, yeah, yeah. Hey. when it comes to leaping running water with with steep banks on either side, anybody who can get can get through it and stay in the tack has my admiration. Those are tough because you just don't know how it's going to go. The horse is going to leap. He's going to misjudge and you're going to end up on his chest. Oh, it can be a mess. Yeah.
3: Yeah, totally. Especially, I mean, Simon's only five, so you never know when something, and and I didn't know this at the time, but the property where we were hunting, I don't know if I've said this, I hunt in Texas, but um, there were a lot of hogs around us. And sometimes those hogs can come running out of nowhere and just scare the pants off your horse. (gasps) Ooh
2: really? I hear that a lot from my uh, trail riding friends when I'm out hacking about central Florida here. We do have plenty of wild hogs as well. And I often hear people talk about how their horses are very much afraid of wild hogs. Is that common? I, yeah,
3: I think it's something to do with the smell. Interesting. It's yeah. it's very off-putting. It's, it's kind of, I'm sure you've ridden... Horses that were terrified of donkeys? I have one that's terrified of mini donkeys.
2: Full-size donkeys, no problem. Mini donkeys, apocalypse. Interesting that there's differentiation. Yes. Mini horses are almost as scary, but mini donkeys are scarier. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing that we've discovered is extremely scary, and you have to be very, very careful, are uh, mounting blocks. (laughs) <laughs> is that a recent thing? Well, here again in Central Florida, we have we have trails a many miles and miles, hundreds and hundreds of miles of trails here. And they are very heavily used by our equestrians. But the median age of any human in Central Florida is probably about 70. This is the, this is yeah. the land of retirement, right? Right. So the trailheads have mounting blocks. Well, the mounting blocks are those big concrete steps that you see at the entr- at the front doors of mobile homes. Oh, wow. And they're bright white, especially when they first put them out there. And they're plumped in the middle of the woods in the middle of nowhere. And I don't know when they add new ones because I just don't keep track. So we're cruising along on the trails frequently at a pretty good pace. And we'll just round the turn in the woods and all of a sudden there's this giant set of white stairs in the middle of it. And uh, yeah, that makes for an interesting stop. (laughs) I would think that would
3: spook a lot of horses.
2: It does mine. He spooks at strange things. Yeah, donkeys and steers. Yeah. Anyhow. Have y'all been out hunting this season at all? I have not taken Nigel out hunting this season. We were going to try to do some endurance rides, which have been, um, they've been troublesome. that's, That's not his thing. It it, yeah, we're having trouble with the head game, the mental game a little bit. yeah So, and the hunt I used to go out with that. I used to go out to with that. I enjoy so much misty morning above me in North of me. Uh, they only hunt on Saturdays. Now they don't hunt Wednesdays anymore. So it's Uh, been tough for me to, to get going where I'm going. I haven't been going down South yet because the footing down there is just so incredibly trappy. It, the horse doesn't seem to care. He just goes, but it freaks me out. Yeah. Yeah. It freaks me out. So maybe, uh, Maybe as the season draws to a close, because our season closes right around April, May, because it just gets too hot. I'm going to see if I can't go back up to Misty Morning again and, and hang out with them. Because he's really pretty good with the hounds.
3: I was going to say, Nigel's pretty good about hunting, I if I recall. He's pretty good. Now, he he
2: trots and canters sideways a lot, and he has yeah. arms out a lot. But he doesn't do anything that, you know, one-third of the fox hunting horses in the world don't do. I mean, it's, they get wound up sometimes. yeah. Yeah. Now he, as he ages, he's he's ten years old now. So maybe he'll get another brain cell. He might settle in. We'll
3: see. I we'll might. Simon has exceeded my expectations, brain cell wise, but my other Thirbra definitely did not become an adult until he was ten or eleven. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. We we had a little bit of brain
2: cell division, um, midway through 2000, 2017, uh, but I think unfortunately we lost that second brain cell about yeah. a month ago. And we're just now, I think, I think I've gotten the paddles on it and enough times now that we've sparked it back to life. And I think we might just be back to two brain cells again. Progress. Progress. It's pretty exciting. And speaking of fox hunting and having an excuse not to go out, shame on me, our newcomers tips. What do we got going this month?
3: So I'll, I'll send you the link to include in the show notes, but this was a, it it kind of, this list of, Newcomer Tips is from a gentleman who hunts in England, and it made the rounds in Facebook and different fox hunting groups on Facebook, and so for the last few episodes, we have been sharing a couple of tips. So I'm going to read, today we're doing five and six, and I'll read both of them, and then we can, I'll I'll read the fifth one, and we can chat about it, and I'll read the sixth one, and we can chat about it. And I I contemplated doing a Jamie-esque fake (laughs) accent. But I just can't do it. Not everybody so, can pull it
2: off. You have to own it when you do that. Yeah.
3: Right. Jamie can't pull it off, but she definitely owns it. So yeah, That's
2: the trick.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> All, right. All right. So the, the fifth newcomer tip continuing on our list is, and mind you, this is from this man's perspective. So keep that in mind. He says, I constantly hear, I'd really like to try hunting, but, and then a load of reasons or excuses not to There are a thousand reasons why you might not want to give hunting a miss, but there is one bloody good reason not to. There is nothing else like it in the world. This is a uniquely British pastime done in the British countryside. If you truly want to try it, there's no reason you can't. If I can do it, anyone can do it, and I mean it. So obviously we're not in Britain, Great Britain, but I have to agree. There's really no reason not to try it. Would you agree?
2: Yes, I agree. I I think in this day and age, a great majority of us live within the vicinity of a hunt club who is welcoming and open and understanding and more and more and more fox hunts really want you to come out and try it. and And there is, it is unique. It's the only sport where... It's based from my point of view, at least it's the wild West. You don't know where you're going to be going. You don't know how fast you're going to get there. You don't know when you're going to be coming back. You are going to be in places you've never been before. Now the staff, all of that is much more familiar, but for the rest of the field, it is genuinely an adventure. You just don't know what's going to come next. And for the most part, what comes next is just cool and exciting and interesting and exhausting and sometimes freezing cold. Um, but occasionally crazy and bizarre too. So it's, it's genuinely an adventure you can go on for an afternoon. It's, it's like those epic adventures that people talk about taking, you know, they go out and they, they hike the Pacific crest trail and, you know, crazy cool adventures. They go to the Mongolian Derby. These are little itty bitty compacted bits of that. When you go out fox hunting.
3: Well, and I think you get to see a version of the countryside where, where you hunt that you wouldn't get to see otherwise. Like my, my friend and I went hunting in North Carolina when we went to the World Equestrian Games. And had we only gone to the World Equestrian Games, we never would have seen the countryside like we got to see when we went out fox hunting. A
2: little jealous, by the way. A little jealous.
3: It, it was pretty. It was amazing.
5: Yeah.
2: I'm going to get back up to try on and go fox hunting one of these
3: days. Let me know if you go. I'll be there in a heartbeat. Awesome. So number six, it says, it helps if you can ride. It helps if you can ride, but it's not necessary to be an awesome rider. Call your local hunt secretary and they will advise on slow days, newcomer days, children's meets, half days, non-jumping fields, old reliable plodding horses, and people who might help you on the day itself. You don't have to be a two-star eventer. And many packs, you don't ever have to jump either. Like most things in life, you can control much of your own experience with a bit of forward planning. Get involved at your own pace on your own terms. And I know for my hunt... We're in Texas. What do you see a lot of in Texas? Cowboys. So we have usually four or five times during a hunt season, we will have people come out in Western saddles and Western garb. The only thing we tell them they have to do is to wear an ASTM approved helmet.
2: There you go. And there's, again, so many hunt clubs are really stepping into the 21st century and planning those kinds of days. And I love it when they have days that are especially tuned for newbies or for people who haven't tried it before they're experienced riders, but they've never tried this whole Fox hunting thing before. So they set it up so that it's not confusing or intimidating as far as the rules are concerned, because people get intimidated about all the rules and regulations involved with Fox hunting. And, uh, and that's really cool. And I love his, his, last sentence get involved at your own pace and on your own terms if it's something you want to try just like anything else in life make it happen
3: yeah and i would say every guest we've had on the podcast since we started talking about fox hunting last fall all of them have espoused that you know they welcome new people you don't have to have the perfect outfit or the perfect this or the perfect that it's about camaraderie and coming out and trying it and Doing it on your own terms.
2: Doing it on your own terms, and and people are very very understanding, and they they want to help you because everybody who fought who is an avid fox hunter recognizes that we have to constantly get new people into fox hunting, just like any other equestrian discipline. You always need to be welcoming new people into it, and as you will hear from some of our guests later in the show today, the. Um, there's so much more to fox hunting than getting on a horse that goes really fast and jumping giant coop jumps. You can be involved in so many different ways, again, on your own terms. You don't necessarily have to be the guy in the front uh, running fast and jumping high to enjoy the sport and be involved with all the cool relationship you get to develop. Absolutely. And speaking of getting involved with a fox hunt, the, is, is it the Master of Foxhounds Association? who brings you this yes. podcast each month. Are they the? Do you call them the governing body, the organizing body? What are they called?
3: I don't know what the official term is. Governing body, I think.
2: All right. Masters of Foxhounds Association of America. They're the folks that keep this discipline and this sport and this tradition all organized and neat and clicking along beautifully. And whenever you need to find out something about fox hunting in general – about a local fox hunt that you might attend. A fox hunt where, in a place where you're gonna go on vacation. All of those things can be found at MFHA.com.
3: Not to mention a lot of really gorgeous pictures. Yeah, and events and hunts near you. There's a map that you can click on. All kinds of information about getting involved in hunting. Yep. And not only is
2: it the, the sport of hunting itself, But the Masters of Foxhounds Association, as well as the sport of fox hunting in general, are very involved with the conservation of lands. Because without land, you can't fox hunt. Without land, you can't ride horses in general. So they are are avid conservators to make sure land stays open and available for riding fox hunting and otherwise. So I highly recommend you stop by and visit them at MFHA.com. And I think... It's time for us to welcome our first pair of guests because it's our couple's theme,
3: Geraldine and Gary Hansen. So today we have with us Brianna and Dave, and I'm going to ask you one at a time to introduce yourselves because I know I will mess it up. So first, Brianna. Hi,
6: I'm Brianna. I go by Brie. I am the professional whip with North Hills Hunt out here in Nebraska.
3: Excellent. And Dave?
1: I am Dave Kruger. I'm the Huntsman here at North Hills, but they only know me as Dude because I made the fatal flaw of wearing a t-shirt to the first time I met everyone with a shirt that said Dude on it. So they all thought that was my real name.
3: That is fantastic.
1: (laughs) So they only know me as Dude. They won't even understand who Dave Kruger is.
2: Well, that's one way you could, you could just be incognito. And if you just, if you, if we cut all that part out and don't tell anybody, they'll never know you were on the show and you can exactly. tell stories <laughs> about everybody. Exactly.
3: So our theme this month, we're we're a little bit late and I, I understand Valentine's day was last week, but we kind of have a, a Valentine's theme for the fox hunting episode. And so we wanted to talk to some couples who hunt. And obviously, you all have a pretty unique situation in that you both are staff for the hunt. So, we'll start off with Dave. Tell us how you started with North Hills and how long you've been with North Hills and kind of what your role is a little bit more. And then I'll ask the same question to Bree.
1: I started because of Bree. I, we were at, taking classes at Metro and I met Bree. And uh, took her on a couple of dates while well, we went to the Humane Society to get a dog. but. No fault of my own, we got one, and uh, she said before we go on any other dates, you have to ride a horse. So I grew up riding western, but she took me to her English barn and made me go jump a horse, and I did that. And then, then I had to become with the hunt, so we started hunting. And then the opportunity arose with the North Hills hunt. The previous huntsman left, and I applied for the job and got it. And there we sit. Now I've been hunting with the hounds. This is going on our fourth season here.
3: Oh, wow. I guess I feel like I asked the question backwards. So, Bree, how long had you been hunting before you took Dave? Um, Before I took Dave, I had been hunting for 12 years.
6: And, um, yeah, like, I mean, I started as a junior, and uh, this is going to be my eight, well, let's see here. I'm I'm 27, so (laughs) there's the math. I started hunting when I was eight years old.
3: Oh, wow. That's so fun.
6: Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. It's been fun to watch it from the perspective of being a junior and then riding in the field. And I um, dabbled in being staffed there for our previous husband. And then, of course, when Dave took over, my role became full time. And then this last year I became professional.
3: So are you both, do do you do your staff positions full time? Um, Dave is considered, or Dave is our full-time
6: um, paid employee, and I am a uh, volunteer, but I live here, obviously, with him and do all the kennel work and training and breeding and everything that he does. He's kind of our partner in that.
3: So, Dave, this, the whole hunt thing is really kind of your romantic story together.
1: Yes, yes, it all, it, she got me into this. And we fell in love with it, and, and I've always I've always been a hunter my whole life, and I've loved working with dogs. And now I always had one or two bird dogs, and now you got 50 dogs in the kennel to work with. It's it's just magnified how much you have to work with them to get them all coming together. But but we we really enjoy that part is is working with the hounds and and hunting. It you know you come hunting one time and and you're hooked. I don't think anyone could walk away from this after after their first time and say, oh, that wasn't any fun. I don't want to do that again. So Bree got me hooked onto it, and I, I can't imagine life without it. And, you know, I served in the military all over the country doing things, and still, this is this is one of the most fun things I've ever done. You get to follow a pack of hounds going across the countryside.
3: So, did you, Bree, did you start dating and, like, Hunting was kind of one of the first things you did together. And how how did, yeah, how did Dave's first absolutely. hunt go from your perspective? Yes. Yeah, so we started dating
6: in late spring, early summer. And um, like he said earlier, we, we took him to the um, equestrian barn that I was riding at. And my trainer, Corrine, she's been in my life since I was little, little, um said, all right, you've rode in an English saddle, go jump a course and see if you can keep up with this girl. <laughs> and then After that, he rode an English saddle all summer, taking lessons, and um, the first cubbing came, and I was a diehard. I never missed a hunt, so my weekends, obviously, were hunting and being at the kennels, and he started becoming a part of that, and he loved it and fell in love with hunting and me. <laughs> I'd like to think
3: at the same time. <laughs> Dave, what did you think of your first hunt?
1: it's, it's all such a blur. The first time you go, you know, I think there, there's so much going into you. all I was trying to do is, is hold on. Cause I knew she wasn't going to come back and pick me up. So if I got left behind, I'm, I'm on my own. So just try to keep up the best you can, but it, it's great. It, you know, the first couple of times you're out there and it's the people that bring you, bring you to the sport, you know, the, the love of, of everything. Everyone's got their own love of fox hunting, but it, Everyone comes together from all over, you know, every different walk of life, and that's what really. I'm a people person anyway. I love meeting new people across the way, anywhere I go. But I mean, this the group of fox hunters is truly a unique group of people that, you know, they can be doctors, lawyers, farmers, kids, uh, anything, anything, and everything. And if you can ride a horse and keep up, it doesn't matter what you do during the week. If if you can't keep up, you can't keep up, you know. It's all every man for himself when they really get going. That's what's, it's kind of cool. But the camaraderie with everyone, the way they all love the sport and they love the riding and getting together. It's really cool. And to, and to think it was in my backyard the whole time and I never even heard of it till Bree.
3: I know. I, I, get, I feel like I get that a lot. I hunt in Texas with Brazos Valley. And when, I, when you tell people that you fox hunt, they look at you like you're crazy, especially <laughs> in Texas where, you know obviously I'm surrounded by cowboys and they just, they just look at you with stars in their eyes, but I'm curious, how was the transition from, so I remember when your previous huntsman left and I kind of remember that transition happening and I'm curious, you know, how was that with your relationship when, when Dave, when you were transitioning into the huntsman role that had to have pretty significantly changed your day-to-day life?
1: Yeah, it, it, you just have to uh, prioritize your time a little bit different. I mean, coming to the kennel, the kennel is a full-time thing, you know, but I grew up with having livestock my whole life. So, you know, with live, hounds are not livestock, but you, you grow up with having to do chores and, you know, there's not a day you can just take off. Like, I'm not going to go feed the cows today or feed the pigs today. So, it, you know, in turn, it, it is like that, you know, and in, in the amount of work that really goes into training a pack of hounds is, is something that I can only think that, the great staff we have here with Bree and, and we have a, a wonderful group of people that love to come out and walk out homes and, and be around the kennel that I can't thank enough on a, on a, you know, you can call them any day of the week and say, let's go walk hounds and they're ready to go do it and, and that's where you you really, it really takes a team, you know, I can't stress enough to come out and work with them the, the summer months are the ones that pay off for your whole winter of good hunting and, and good sport, It it takes a lot of hot summers and a lot of hot days of frustration with with young hounds and and you know I, I i always grew up with hunting dogs but they were one or two you know where you where you can focus on them and now you're focusing on you know a litter of six coming out and they all need trained at the same time and, and it, it takes a group of people to really train them and get them going so it it, it did but i you know you just got to find a way to balance it when you do it because we I, we both work at the county full time, so we work we work our day jobs and then you know in the morning you just have to wake up earlier to feed, let out, and check on everyone and then when you come home you you fill your time. But I feel like when you fill your time with the hounds and horses, it's not really like it's a job. it's more like you know it's what you, you it's what you love to do
3: So Bree, do you do a lot of the the hound care work like do you do that together?
6: Yeah, and I think that's the really fun thing about how our lives changed when we did move here and came into the positions we did. You know, we had our separate jobs and chores, like Dave said. You know, we've always had animals and livestock and such. But doing this, I thought I think brought us closer together because we planned a lot more together, and um, just learning the whole new aspect of the hounds. I mean, who are going to breed? Walking out, what's this hound doing this day, and learning their behavior together, the ins and outs of the kennel, and um, just everything. It became our new life together, and. The people we've met through it and everything is just it's solely based on our relationship, where our relationship started and how we've grown stronger together now and where we are with the hunt together. Um, it's been really awesome. It's been exciting. I mean it's definitely changed our life, but in my opinion, for the better, as a couple especially.
3: So Bree, I'm curious. You know, you've you know you hunted as a junior and you hunted as an adult. So now obviously you live with the huntsman or you're with the huntsman, so like has your view of hunting changed a lot? And we have to get to some stories. There has to also be some good stories of potential adversity or just ridiculousness.
6: Oh, absolutely! <laughs> so, like Dave said, from the first time he hunted, he knew he just had to keep up because I want to come back for him. I'm sure you guys have heard of our popular fixture, Burwell, Nebraska. It's sand hills and um, just beautiful very well paneled and, you know, rolling hills and canyons. And it is our favorite place to hunt. And uh, Dave's favorite is his first place to hunt. So that's when he was like, I love this sport. I'm addicted because he survived his first day. Well, you know, he had jumped a little bit over X-Rails and such, but his plan was never to jump in the field, you know, not anytime soon, obviously, Well, here we go. We're on a run. There's a coyote 100 yards in front of us. I look back at Dave, and I said some choice words, but I said, get your butt out of the saddle, grab mane, and don't let go. And we go over to this first coop, and I'd say our coop's average, you know, oh, three feet out there, two, nine, three feet. And he jumped that first coop, and I think that was one of the first times I told him I loved him.
5: (laughs) Oh, it was great.
6: (laughs) So that was really great, and then of course our day-to-day stuff—just silly things happen all the time, especially in the kennel or you know, oopses. And Dave, I'm sure you can elaborate more on a couple goof stories.
1: <laughs> yeah, Go I mean, there's, it, there's always there's always little things that are always going around, going along, and you know, uh, the thing to coming coming with uh, a couple hunting together you know we all have our strong head and I th- I think every fox hunter is, has got their strong opinion on what you know what we should do and what we shouldn't do and who we should hunt and so that's always a fun day-to-day activity when it comes to hunting day and um not that I have the final say but I'm always like these are the hounds we're taking out and I get the the stare down from Bree like why are we taking those out today can we take someone else and a funny story with that is least like Lisa has been my favorite hound besides Daisy since we've been here, you know, and Lisa's is about as honorary as they come, you know, as far as a whips perspective. From a huntsman's perspective, I always think she's just outgoing and wants to work hard, but the whips always <laughs> are like, she's too much work for us. Put her away. Get her another <laughs> day. And then uh, we go to the first performance trials down in uh, Kansas and she does extremely well. And she uh, gets Huntsman's choice and all this, and and um, they all come back to me. They're like, "Sure, whatever. You're right, right? You know the hounds, whatever. You know." So it's it's funny stories like that when when you know everyone everyone sees the hounds doing different things, but a lot of times a whip will miss a hound doing an extraordinary thing that I'm like, "This hound has all the potential. She's just very immature to you guys a lot, you know." So those are the some of the fun things that. You know, and we'll grumble back and forth on which hounds we'll take out with which hounds. Like they don't go good together. It's oil and water. They don't listen. So it's 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 fun stuff that that I, I feel staff and 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 couples that work in the in the field can all go back and forth. And like when one does something silly, you know, we're with them so many times. You just see like, well, I guess here we go again. So it's it's things like that that make make it a lot of fun too.
3: So, and Dave, do you feel like your relationship outside of hunting improves the communication while you're hunting or makes it a little more challenging?
1: As far as getting along with her?
3: Yeah, the two of y'all together when you're out hunting, does it,
1: is there more nonverbal? No, no, it's, it's pretty, we're pretty, all a pretty close-knit family with, with, uh, with the staff, you know, we we're all together a lot of times, and my big thing is I'm the only one getting paid, so if I'm yelling at my my help, that's the worst thing I could possibly do. We all make mistakes. I make mistakes every day, so I'm I'm the last one. So we keep it pretty lighthearted, and and we'll more we'll, we'll more jokingly get on so you know get on each other rather than come down harsh. Because at the end of the day, we're all out there to entertain, and we're all out there for fun. And if it's not fun, then um, we're, we're doing something wrong. So.
3: So Bree, do you you get to voice your opinion on, on pairings for breeding and any, any of those, those types of, of responsibilities? Yeah, absolutely.
6: Um, I, that's a, that's something I think is really cool is, you know, although he's the huntsman and, um, you know, he gets the overall say when we came into this together, he made it very clear, you know, the partnership, we're partners, we make decisions together, and I love that, because in the huntsman's role, he doesn't have to do that, but um, he knows how, you know, we did come into this together, so we work together in every aspect, and, um, you know, as far as, like, doing chores every morning, and then the evening, and walking out, and talking about, you know, which hounds we're going to take out that day, who we're going to breed, who's going to go to the hound show, and um, I think, you know, I know Dave talked a little bit about it, we do have an awesome you know, staff family, but as far as mine and his communication, I would say it has gotten better. You know, we've always been open and honest and talk and, you know, talk about everything, but this is more the, you know, strategic talking and uh, planning and every aspect of that. And um, I really like it. I think, um, I think even outside of hunting it's helped us and I think it'll continue to just because we do do so many things together and plan together and, in every aspect of hunting. It's
3: a joy. That's so fun. It makes me really want to come up there and hunt with you guys.
1: <laughs> you need to. <laughs>
3: I know. We
1: Our our late our litter last year came from Brussels. So you <laughs> know it's yourself to come up here and see them.
3: I know. And y'all have a, a hunt weekend or hunt week? Yeah, well, that's it's coming It's the up first this, weekend in um, April? Yep, the
6: first weekend in April, um, myself and one of our masters, MFH, Dr. Luke Matranga, are the coordinators for it. And, um, we're actually hunting four days that first week in April, the Tuesday, or sorry, uh, Wednesday and Thursday, we're going to do North Hills hunt and Bell Meats coming and we're going to do a mixed pack together. And then that Saturday, Sunday are going to be the trial. So come for the whole week, come for part of it. Everyone's welcome. And we're super excited.
3: That's fantastic. So. If folks wanted to get in touch with you and they wanted more information just about hunting with North Hills or to attend that weekend, how would they get in touch with you? So
6: they can go to our North Hills Hunt Facebook page or else northhillshunt.com has the flyer and the link and everything you need to know, or they can personally email me. And uh, my email is Brie, B-R-E, Bree D-A-N-A. So hotmail at Hotmail.com. And I'm happy to answer any questions and get everyone excited about coming out.
3: That is so fun. And Dave, if anyone wanted to get in touch with you, would they go the same route or do you have different contact info? Uh,
1: no. I. That's what's great about having a couple's relationship here. I let Brie do all the communications. I know she takes care of everything on that line so uh it's the same communication for both of us and and that's what makes it so easy is is you know no one's tripping over each other like oh i scheduled this i scheduled i'd let her she schedules everything and i just show up on saturdays and sundays and hope i'm in the right spot
3: wonderful well thank you for coming on and we appreciate you being on horses in the morning
1: that computer seems to be telling us just what we want to hear
3: So, this month's term is a very well-known, commonly used term of fox hunting, tally-ho. And the official definition, as I found on some official website online, is a phrase indicating the quarry is viewed. So, if you're out with a hunt, so for my role, I'm a whip. Um, I'm a whipper in. So, I'm helping make sure the hounds are where they're supposed to be. And, And... if I'm opposite the end of the property and I have hounds near me and I see a quarry, which in my property is a coyote, I will yell loudly or onto the radio, depending, and say tally ho to communicate to the other people who are out hunting that the quarry has been viewed. And you know that can mean many different things, that the hounds are going to run a certain direction or um, to send the hounds in a different direction or... Myriad, do you have any additions to Tally Ho, Jen? A
2: clarification,
3: perhaps. Oftentimes
2: in uh, Hollywood, you hear the phrase Tally Ho used to indicate moving off at a rapid pace. But that is not what it's used for, is it?
3: No, and I feel like you often hear Tally Ho used as a like a greeting almost. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, you'll you'll it in I don't know, it kind of drives me a little bit crazy, but you'll you know, you'll see yeah, I don't know. Yeah somebody like who's a, trying to tie fox hunting to English writing in general and they'll be like, Oh, tally ho and I'm like, that doesn't really mean hello. No, that doesn't mean anything at all. <laughs> so when when you view the
2: quarry, frequently coyote. Is it so it's coyote, not coyote? I say coyote. So am I am I am I showing my Yankee roots by calling it a coyote?
3: I don't know. I we'll need some clarification maybe, there. Yeah, I think we'll have to do some research on that. I've always called it a coyote. I'm from Montana. Yeah. I say hoof too, so I could I'm very likely wrong. Anyhow,
2: the <laughs> So when you view the fox with a coyote, um and let's say let's say I'm a field member because I I'm not a whip. I'm a member of the field, which means I'm following behind the gentleman in the red coat, the master. And I'm doing, and I'm going where I'm told. I see a fox off to my left. There he goes across the field. Do I say "tally ho"?
3: I think that's perfectly appropriate, especially if you can't tell that the huntsman has seen the quarry. I think if the entire field is yelling "tally ho," that might be inappropriate.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Now, when when anyone says "tally ho," is there a is there anything that the the person who's saying it does or says to indicate the direction of travel of said quarry?
3: I think that would depend on where the huntsman is from you. If the huntsman can see you and is looking at you or can look at you, I would probably point in the direction where I see it. Um, I feel this, you know, I, I would say I'm a relative newbie to hunting. I've been doing it for about eight or nine years. Um, but I think that might be something that varies from hunt to hunt. Ah, so that just depends on the type of communication that the huntsman likes to work
2: with. Desires. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's making more sense there. I distinctly remember, I will share a fox hunting story. When I hunted with myopia, myopia is a drag hunt. So the hounds chase a imaginary quarry. The line has been laid down by an, I'm using my air quotes, artificial scent. And we had gotten a few new hounds in. Well, the few new hounds that we had gotten in had been previously hunted on live quarry. Well, lo and behold, one day we are out and there is a fox (laughs) in the woods where he cast the hounds. And the hounds that were from the live hunt got on the line and took a few of the older hounds with them. And they said, "Oh, this is great fun!" And then the rest of the pack went the other way after the scent that they were supposed to be following. Oh my! Yes, so nobody yelled "Tally ho." We all kept very quiet, and we're going, "Uh oh, those hounds are in trouble." But they they followed that fox for a very short period of time. They gave up gave up on him pretty quick, and we judged the hounds back to the rest of the pack. But that was kind of a chuckle. The one time I saw a fox when we were out hunting, it's like, "Oh, we're not supposed to see those here." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> An oopsie. An oopsie. But It was kind of cool because that was one of the nice, unique things about myopia is because of the country and the fact that we're on a a laid line. We know where the hound, well, the huntsman knows where the hounds are going to be going next because he told them where to lay the line. Um, You can get pretty close and really watch the hounds work. Another reason. Yeah, and they know that they're going to have a pretty strong scent, I would imagine. They know how the scent is, how strong it's been laid down, which direct general direction it's going to go. So if we want to go around and flank the hounds, the master knows which side he should be going on. It's Like, well, if we right. go over here, we can watch really close because I know they're going to go over there. Um, so for folks who enjoy watching um, hounds of any sort work at what they do, because it is it is a wonderfully unique process, another reason... It, you can get in um, involved with fox hunting. So there we go. That was just way more than we needed to say about Tally Ho, a phrase indicating the quarry has been viewed.
3: Dun, dun, and I, think, I, I think it was, it, it was a conversation that needed to happen. So <laughs>
2: <laughs> I want to talk about the total
3: saddle fit stability <laughs> stirrup leathers. Did you get yourself
2: a pair of these yet?
3: I haven't, but I've been reading a lot on, um, couple of the groups like the plaidcast amateur lounge that i'm in a couple of people I, I really i think i need to get them get them for my hunt saddle
2: i think all fox hunters need to know about the total saddle fit stability stirrup leathers they have a wide body design which means the part of the leather that is closest to your leg is wider than the part of the leather closest to the saddle which means it's more stable but it is also smoother So if you're one of those riders like me who does a little extra squeezing with the knees and you get knee rubs all the time, you get blisters on your knees, Um, Yeah, these make a big difference. I did not expect that. I did not anticipate that, but it does make a big difference. So it gives you more stability in your legs, fewer leg rubs, and they're attractive and they are made of good quality leather. They come in dark brown or black, so they will match your saddle perfectly. They also come in what they call the slim design, so that the buckle is at the bottom, just above the stirrup iron. For folks who like to have the stirrup strap, that odd style that's very trendy right now, I like that kind too. And they also have them so that the slim style can be twisted in such a way so that your stirrup iron is facing the correct direction. You know how you have to tap the inside edge of your stirrup iron to get a hold of it? you can have instructions on how to twist it in certain ways so that your stirrup iron doesn't have to do that. So if you have trouble getting your stirrup back or if you have trouble with torque on your knee, these will also suit you. And they come in 48, 48, 54, 58, 60, and 64-inch lengths. So there's something for everyone. And when you get them from totalsaddlefit.com, they're, you're guaranteed to love them. He will pay shipping both directions if you don't love them, and you can use them and abuse them. You don't have to ride in them once and cover them with a sock. Ride in them, really decide whether or not you love them, and if you don't, you can send them back. So go to totalsaddlefit.com and get your stability stirrup leathers
3: today. So continuing with our February theme of talking to couples today, we have with us again, Gerilyn and Gary Hansen. Did I say your names correctly? Yeah. Excellent. So Gerilyn and Gary, you all have been hunting together for quite some time. So I'll, I'll kind of ask you questions one at a time. So Gerilyn or Gerilyn, tell me, did you meet before or after you started hunting? Well, and first, tell us where you live and who you hunt with also.
5: Okay. I live in Wadsworth, Illinois, and Gary and I hunt with Mill Creek Hunt Club that is located in Old Mill Creek, Illinois. The second question to that was, I met him um, two years, about, about a year and a half before I started hunting. So I met him and I met Gary in 1982. And I started hunting in 1983. So to be exact, we've been probably hunting together as a couple for 36 years. Did you
3: start at that same hunt? Yes. So Gary, you had hunted a little before y'all met, is that right?
0: Yes, uh, I introduced uh, Geraldine to horses and uh, hunting. And she took to uh, she took to it like a duck to water.
3: So, how long have you been hunting?
0: Well, uh, a a year year before Jeremiah, you know, I introduced her to. So, it it was uh, more of a passion.
3: Okay, so did you grow up riding?
0: No, I grew up late, (laughs) and uh, I started. I was trying to set horsemanship back a couple hundred years, but I have a hard time doing it. So I took a few lessons uh, jumping. And I knew how to jump before I knew flat work. I do things uh, a little bit backwards for, you know, equitation.
3: I feel like that's kind of common for guys. They want to jump.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's uh, uh, jumping, you know... You know, flat work, it gets a little boring, you know, right diagonal, all that stuff going in circles is, uh, it's not fun. Real writing is that writing out in the open where you have to make uh, decisions uh, for yourself. You know, it's like, I think of it like in the American Revolution, you know, George Washington used to hunt and that's what made him a, you know, a good, uh, commander because you had to make decisions out there and in the hunt field you have to make decisions uh that affect everybody so that's one of those things that you know i enjoy doing
3: so how were you introduced to hunting after you started riding
0: uh i was friends with the uh, the master and then he uh invited me to be his guest and after the uh, the first hunt, I was uh, addicted to it.
3: So, Gerilyn, tell us how Gary introduced you to hunting and how that first hunt went.
5: Um, well, in a nutshell, he bought me my first horse. Oh, wow. And we were dating at the time. Yeah, pretty awesome. I don't know how many girlfriends could, I, I, how many women could actually say that. But he told me about fox hunting. I had no idea what he was talking about. I went and I um, followed in a car and I got to see firsthand what it was all about. I said, I have to do this. So at the time I didn't have, um, my horse wasn't equipped to fox hunting at the time. So I rented a horse. Um, And from that day forward, I was hooked. Um, I wasn't very good at it. I wasn't a very good rider, (laughs) but I learned and and grew fond of the sport as the years went on, and have loved it ever since. So, yeah. So the, since 1983, I've been
3: hunting. Well, and I gotta say, I I I grew up in in eastern Montana on a ranch, and nothing teaches you how to ride like being out and going and doing something. I mean, you can have lessons in an arena all day long, and it's just not the same. Did you find that to be true, Geraldine?
5: Absolutely. I learned so much in the hunt field than I would do in a ring with a trainer. Um, I mean, not that I'm not knocking taking lessons because I still do to this day because you can never stop learning, but being out in the hunt field and the camaraderie and just the relationship you have with your horse, the relationship you build with your friends that you make out there, um, just literally... Brought me back every day and wanting to do it even more, um, which grew as a passion because um, not only have Gary and I been together this long, but it was something that we've always enjoyed doing together as a couple. Because, I mean, let's face it, I mean, how many things does a husband and wife love doing together? You know, we don't work out, we don't go to the health club together. So we have always found our enjoyment in the sport of riding horses and then fox hunting just takes the cake.
3: So Gary, tell me, you know, in the 30 some years y'all have been hunting together. What, what's your funniest memory? And then what's your fondest memory of hunting together?
0: Oh boy, I can get into a lot of trouble that way. <laughs> she could hurt me. Well, um, first,
3: We'll do PC for the radio then.
0: Uh, well, One of my fondest memories is I was leaving third field and uh, I had a few hounds around me and probably about 20 riders and I was showing them the rock. And what the rock was, it was where the underground railway met. So I was showing them a very historic uh, thing and explaining to them. Meanwhile, uh, first and second field uh, moved on and And all of a sudden, I noticed I had a bunch of hounds around me. Uh, That time, I had a radio, so I called the huntsman and I said, "Uh, "I'm I'm by the rock and uh, I've got you know thirty hounds milling around. Uh, What do you want me to do?" So the huntsman said, "You know, bring him up north." So now I had a hand gallop, like John Wayne, (laughs) reins in my mouth, radio in one hand, and urging the hounds in. At a full gallop, you know, two uh, two fields to the north, oh, wow. and uh, of course, you know, people are, are following me. So it, that was my most fond memory. So I'm, I was actually uh, a huntsman for a little bit, you know, with the hounds underneath my horse. So that was one of my fondest uh, hunts.
3: Was Geraldine in the field with you, or was she in a different field?
0: No, she was in the uh, she was in second field, and she said, "Well." Gary, can you do that? I said, I can do whatever I want, as the huntsman says I can. So I was under orders to, to do what I did.
3: So, do you have any funny stories about hunting with Geraldine that are radio appropriate?
0: Uh, <laughs> well, one of her first hunts.
3: He had to think about that,
0: Terry. He did. Right. And, and, and then she didn't. Yeah. Stop this one horse, and she's pulling back on the reins, and the reins are uh, her hands are up in the air, so she's not properly uh controlling the horse says like, I can't stop him I can't stop him and reins are slipping through her fingers uh, since then she thinks she's a better rider than I am, and she may be, but you know I still have a lot of tricks up my sleeve. <laughs>
3: So, Gerilyn, do you have any funny stories about Gary in the hunt field?
5: Oh, I do. I have so many of them. But let me point out first that that little experience that he just described happened like 35 years ago. (laughs) So, (laughs) I have become become the equestrian, um, and I'm proud to say that I'm a much better writer now than I was then. But yes, I have, um, you know, I have lots of stories, but one in particular um, I, I love about Gary is his personality and his demeanor when he's out in the field, because he does lead third field because the horse that he rides is extremely laid back and he's one of these type of horses that everybody gravitates to. And especially if you have the newcomers that have never done this before, and you're always, you always want to encourage these newcomers on board because it's what we do. This is what we want. We want to build our club up and, you know, everything wonderful about it. So anyways, these riders will ride with Gary because it's their first time out and their love of the sport is so exciting for them because he tells his stories his horse is, is laid back they're, These riders have a great time. They come home after the end, at the end of the day, they talk about the thrill they had and they're all walking up to Gary and saying, Gary, thank you so much. We really enjoyed it. You really made our day. We're definitely coming back. And I love hearing stories like that because that just is the beauty about the whole sport and just building the camaraderie, like I said earlier and the relationships and the friendships that you make along the way.
3: I completely agree. And, and really the, the person who's leading the third field or, you know, second field, depending on the hunt that you're with, I mean, that really is usually the person who's hosting the new, the newbies. And that's, that's huge for every hunt to you know, stay relevant and continue yeah. to attract new people.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And everybody, um, when we, we hold hunt clinics every year and I help run these hunt clinics and we have people that have like the fear of God, like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do this. And I said, look, I want to tell you something right now. And I reassure them. I said, everything's going to be okay. I like your horse. I've seen you ride this horse. You're going to come out tomorrow and you're going to do great. And I said, you see that man over there? And they said, yes. And I said, you're going to ride with him. And I said, everything's going to be fine. And I, you could see the weight lifted off their shoulders because I reassure them. And this is, and I'm not making this up. We've had many people come back because they ride with Gary and they say it was the best experience they've ever had. And, um, everybody loves him and we're, you know, Gary's been around for a long time. I would say a couple years longer than I have, but him and I have been with this club for 36 years and we're kind of like the matriarch of the club. Um, and so we have a lot of stories and we have a lot of, good experience that we could shed on everyone else too.
3: So I'm curious, Gary, do you, do you all ever go, do you, have you hunted with other hunts? Do you ever, you know, I know there's some people in my hunt that will go on vacations to England or Scotland or Ireland or whatnot. Have you all ever done anything like that?
0: Oh yeah. You know, in um, Galena and then, you know, down, uh, down South and we've been to, uh, and even down at the, uh, in, uh, Florida, but when I first started uh, hunting, you know, I was kind of the, best, uh, uh, the, the bad guy. <laughs> and, uh, uh, sir, if you can't control your horse, go to the back and field. So I was always in the back of the field with this old Englishman, George Edmonds. And George uh, had a pipe, and this uh, horse was always jumping up and down. So after a rail on post and another rail on post, George's horse was out of control and George actually got himself and the horse stuck in the tree. Oh, my. It took uh, probably close to a, about an hour or so to get, uh, you know, the horse out of the tree, but uh, the pipe was still in George's mouth. <laughs> so, to keep your leading, cool, right? you know, third field, it's I enjoy that because this way, I set the pace how fast I can go. Actually, correction, uh, my slowest rider sets the pace. So on the first and second field, the hound set the pace, you know, how fast, uh, you know, you're going in the field. So it just, uh, I prefer to, you know, be in a little more control of of my speed. And I'm 70 years old, so I don't, I jump if I have to, but, you know, I've lost the thrill.
3: Well, it's like, like okay. I said, I mean, the, the leading the third field is it, we, we have a, our our um, master who leads the, that field for my hunt, we has a big percher on mare and we call her the bumper horse. Cause if a novice oh, rider can't the control best. their horse. Yeah. That's
2: the best.
3: And, and I've taken out a number of green horses myself and and Mercedes, she'll always be the bumper horse and prevent your crazy horse from doing something stupid.
0: You know, I I like having a a space between the horses, and uh, my horse was a bumper horse. There's one time where this one lady, uh, she uh, was actually using my horse as a bumper horse. I really didn't mind. My horse didn't mind. But then one time, she got out of control and uh, threw her off. The horse jumped over a fence going into the tollway. Oh, wow. uh, and it uh, caused you know a little little bit of an accident but uh the uh, the arrest the horse because he didn't have an eye pass. <laughs> uh, but nobody was hurt
3: yeah so uh do you ever ride in third field with gary or do you always ride up with first or second um I usually ride up in
5: first and for many years I've led second field. Um, and, and if I'm not needed in second field as, as the the master, then I'll ride up in first or there are many times that I've ridden back with Gary, um, third field is just walk trot. Um, and I would, you know, it's, it's always a lot of fun to, to, to pick up the speed a little bit and do some jumping, but I have ridden all over. So Um, but most importantly, I, I love riding with Gary. Um, it's just something that, you know, we do together as a couple and, you know, I miss it if I'm out there without him and vice versa, but mainly we, if we go together, we're together. If not, then I'll go by myself and he'll follow along in a car.
3: Oh, nice. How, how many days a week do you usually hunt? And during the off season, do you ride together?
5: We hunt our, our season starts in August, and we ride through December, and we could go longer depending on the weather. And we hunt twice a week on Wednesdays and sundays. um and in and in between, um we'll pick up a trail ride here or there to keep the horses fit. Um, but otherwise, you know, gary, he he loves to just hunt and get dressed up and get on the horse. and I'm the one that keeps the horses fit <laughs> as per se. So, um, which is fine. You know, it, he deserves to, you know, he works hard all week. So this is his, you know, one time that he can let his hair down and get on a horse and have some fun.
3: Do you guys keep your horses at home?
0: Oh, yes, yes We keep do. the horses at home. We, we've had our- and so this way, you know, they're like big dogs. And when I go in there, they, they, they you know, they, they come in their stalls, you know, sometimes they horse around and go in the other guy's stall. But, uh, you know, they're, uh, you know, three uh, gilding horses. And the one that I used to ride, Bailey, is the uh, grandson of Secretariat. Oh, wow. And, uh, he, and he was actually born in our barn. It was a live cover. And, but he's retired right now. So, But he's he's still fit. And right now it's a little snowy outside. And uh, we got the horses uh, on a round bale. And so they come in, in and out of the barn you know, at their own leisure.
3: When does your hunt season end, Gary?
0: Uh, in January.
3: Oh, so you're off now.
0: Oh, actually, no, actually, not January. It was I said December. Uh, December. It was I said December. January. Yeah. I'm thinking of January, yeah. December, yeah. Ah, oh,
3: well, that I guess that makes sense. You are having some really delightful weather right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And when we it's snowing it outside, here. you know, the uh, their hooves ball up and it gets, little little dangerous uh riding
3: yes yes if you if you check out last month's fox hunting episode, we talked about um cold weather hunting and taking care of horses and all that, and Jen and I are fortunate. I'm in Texas, and Jen's in Florida, so the worst I have to deal with is mud, and the worst she has to deal with is a jacket, yeah, oh wow. worst I have to deal with is uh is sunburn, yeah, yes. Well, Daryl and Gary, thank you so much for coming on the show. Can you tell us if, if people want to find out more about you or about your hunt? How could they find you?
5: Um, well, they can always find us um, through, via Facebook. Um, they can email me, um, you know, pick up the phone. I'm, you know, where I'm always just, a, you know, a way, just, it's, I'm not that far from either one. If, uh, you know, if, if anyone has any questions or feel free to, I, I'm happy to share the experience or any, any newcomers out there, I'd love to share any ex- positive experience because it's just the way to go. It's, I mean, how can, be, there's just nothing better than doing something you passionately enjoy and on God's green earth.
3: <laughs> I absolutely agree. And we'll, we'll put some of your contact information in the show notes. So thank you oh, very much okay. and have a wonderful yeah, day. Absolutely. Well, Tara, I think that's about a wrap for today. Two very interesting
2: couples who obviously have a great time together in the hunt field. So uh, let's do
3: up the wrap-up bits. You can find Coverside magazine online at www.ecovertside.net or the digital edition at com slash ecovertside. Tara can be found at bigskybootcity.com. Find the links to today's guests in the show notes at HorsesInTheMorning.com. You can follow Horses in the Morning on Facebook. Just search for Horses in the Morning.
2: There you go. You can have all of the Horse Radio Network shows with you wherever you go by downloading the free Horse Radio Network (laughs) app for your iPhone or your Android. Just go to your app store and search for Horse Radio Network. It's free and easy to use. And in addition, for the less tech-savvy folks in your life who you know will enjoy Horse Radio Network programming, help them download the app, too. It'll help them out. It'll help us out. Everyone will be happier. And you don't need to miss any episodes. You can also subscribe via iTunes or your favorite podcatcher. We're out there on what seems like all of them. And a big, big thank you once again to the Masters of Foxhounds Association, the MFHA.com, for helping to bring this show to you each and every month. Halley ho!